KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, October 25th. An unsafe camping ordinance could soon be coming to unincorporated areas of the county. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. California is one of dozens of states suing Meta Platforms, Inc. for designing features that addict children to its social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram. The suit claims the company does this knowing the features harm the mental health of youth. California Attorney General Rob Bonta cold-led the investigation. We know Meta had internal discussions about the negative impact of the like button, but decided to keep it anyway. We know Meta has internal documents that include studies and reports discussing the harmful effects of Meta's products and the mental health problems they can cause young users. A Meta spokesperson said in a statement, quote, We're disappointed that instead of working productively with companies across the industry to create clear, age-appropriate standards for the many apps teens use, the attorneys general have chosen this path." A resolution to support Governor Gavin Newsom's proposed gun control amendment to the U.S. Constitution was defeated by the County Board of Supervisors yesterday. Two board members voted yes and two voted no. Newsom's proposal would add an amendment to the U.S. Constitution that would raise the minimum age to purchase a gun from 18 to 21, mandate universal background checks, ban assault rifles for civilians, and impose a waiting period for all gun purchases. Newsom's proposal requires the backing of 33 other states to call for a constitutional convention to even consider the idea. The San Diego Padres are suddenly looking for a new manager. Several major media outlets are reporting Bob Melvin plans to leave the team to coach the San Francisco Giants. Melvin was under contract for one more season in San Diego. He'll be replacing the Giants' former manager, Gabe Kapler, who was fired toward the end of this year's season. The Padres haven't made a formal announcement yet. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. There's already a homeless camping ban in place in the cities of San Diego and Poway. Now the county is considering a similar idea. Reporter Jacob Ayer says it's already getting lots of pushback. In front of a nearly full room at the San Diego County Administration Building Tuesday, the Board of Supervisors considered a countywide unsafe camping ban. District 2 Supervisor Joel Anderson is pushing the ordinance, saying it's necessary to help the region's homeless crisis in unincorporated areas. He says it differs in some ways from the ban in the city of San Diego. We're not the same as San Diego because we do have a housing element and a shelter element in our board letter. Dozens of speakers at the meeting spoke out against the proposal, but the measure was unanimously approved by the board. The unsafe camping ban will be looked at by county staff and come back to the Board of Supervisors for further consideration. 
Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Teachers and families across the county now have access to new online videos designed to stop illegal drug use and prevent overdose deaths. Education reporter M.G. Perez has more on this story. This is Red Ribbon Week across the country, a time to recognize efforts in the current war on drugs. The San Diego County Office of Education has launched a new effort to teach students about the danger of dying from illegal drugs with a series of online videos called I Choose My Future. Anna Toms is an eighth grader at Coronado Middle School who has seen the video curriculum. You hear things everywhere that can really scare you, especially things with alcohol and drug abuse, the peer pressure, and people just trying to get you to do something. The Office of Education says school-aged children are vulnerable to drug overdoses. Just two years ago, a dozen teenagers in San Diego County under 18 died from illegal drug use. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Twenty years ago, a hunter lost in the East San Diego County forest started a small campfire as a signal to searchers. He soon lost control of that little fire and it became the Cedar Fire, at the time the largest wildfire in California history. Reporter John Carroll looks back and asks, could it happen again? The fire raced toward San Diego overnight. Over the next four days, the Cedar Fire would burn 427 square miles, a path 30 miles across. It destroyed much of the community of Crest, jumped Interstate 15, and tore through Scripps Ranch and Tierra Santa. In all, 2,800 houses and businesses were lost. 15 people died in the fire. Jerry Lothers and his wife were among those who drove away from their home just in time. I told my wife I'd meet her. I think it was at Starbucks or something in uh, Scripps Ranch, just as a place to rally, you know, to, to get connected. Mm-hmm. That's what we did, and you know, an hour later, everything was gone. Back then, firefighting aircraft were not allowed to drop water within a half hour of sunset, and that's exactly when the fire started. By morning, there was no stopping it. San Diego Fire Rescue Chief Colin Stoll remembers it like it was yesterday. I was right in the middle of that with our strike team there. There was no amount of fire engines or personnel that was going to stop that firestorm from blowing through those communities. And really what you have to do is you have to keep yourself safe, your crew safe, and after it blows through, then you can start mitigating and start suppressing some of those fires that have started and hopefully you can get to them before um, you know they get significant there. Days later, when the Lothers were allowed to go back in into the neighborhood, there was nothing left. It was like a war zone, um, all up and down Fairbrook right here. I don't know, 40 houses went away. In Scripps, I think there was 235 homes that went away, some, somewhere around there. The Cedar Fire taught some hard lessons, and there have been many improvements. San Diego had off-duty firefighters ready to work in 2003, but didn't have enough fire engines and vehicles to get them to the front lines. Stowell says things have changed dramatically in the past 20 years. We are in a much different position now. We, are, um, we have a, a, a healthy reserve fleet that we can put those folks on. We've got utility rigs. We've got a lot of other ways that certainly uh, would make a big difference today. 
Communication and cooperation among fire agencies has also improved. They were a serious handicap fighting the fire. Cal Fire Battalion Chief Tony Meacham. And I think San Diego probably off, uh, operates with the greatest regional collaboration of, of anywhere. Uh, as fire chiefs, we meet monthly. We have working groups, whether it be training, communication. So we're constantly talking. The rule on flying at night has since been rescinded. San Diego City and County, CAL FIRE and SDG&E together now have nearly five times as many firefighting helicopters and planes. And the technology available to firefighters is greatly improved. Eric Frost is the director of the VIZ Center at San Diego State. The center helps fire agencies know exactly where a fire is and where it's going. You couldn't really easily get accurate information flying overhead during the day for a really simple reason that, that there's smoke. New software can not only show where a fire is, but where it will be in an hour or a day. The Cedar Fire also led to new, more stringent building codes. Shake shingle roofs are no more. Exposed eaves are not allowed. The Lothers House and many others burned down because embers got under the eaves and into the attic. Residents are now regularly reminded to fire-harden their homes, create defensible space, and if there's firewood, patio furniture, or anything that can burn, get it away from the house. Because as Tony Meacham says, the question is not if, it is when there will be another major fire in the county. The readiness of the fire service, the speed now that we make decisions, how quickly we mobilize, uh, we've had to really adapt to these large fires becoming the new normal. John Carroll, KPBS News. Coming up, San Diego Opera's general director talks about what's ahead for the new season. Everyone that attends, new and old audiences for San Diego Opera, the understanding that they'll see themselves in some way in the work that we do. We'll have that and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Sparks flew yesterday in North County as high school students tried out jobs in the building and construction industry. North County reporter Alexander Wynn says... It was a chance for students to think about a career in trade. Nearly 700 students from 27 high schools in the area participated in the Trace Day event at Palomar College. They got some hands-on experience with drywalling, woodworking, and welding, to name a few. The event was hosted by the Construction Industry Education Foundation. Dustin Hildebrand is the foundation's youth program coordinator. We're trying to introduce students to that career field at an earlier age. You know, try to encourage them towards that path of finding an apprenticeship or an internship right out of high school. He says there is a shortage of skilled workers in the United States right now, and the needs are growing. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. 
The San Diego Council on Literacy says about a quarter of the county's population over the age of 25 is reading at or below the third grade level. North County reporter Tanya Thorne tells us about an organization in Oceanside striving to change that. Josefina Zarate opens up a book and starts to read from it. I was frustrated because I found barriers. The barrier was, was English, but I keep going. That's an excerpt from a book called Our Oceanside, a collection of learners' stories. And she wrote the story herself. But just a few years ago, she couldn't speak, read, or write English. Uh, now I cross my barriers. She learned English at Oceanside Reads, a learning center that's been serving adults from all walks of life for 25 years. Chelsea Egley is a literacy coordinator. Our focus is on helping adults reach their goals. So if you think of any adult basic education goal, be it citizenship, reading, writing, learning to speak English, um, reading with your children, we help people with all of those goals. There's only a handful of paid staff members. Egley says the real work comes from volunteers who help tutor English learners. And the center always welcomes new volunteers and students. Egley says students who may be intimidated should drop by the center to learn more about the programs and create new friendships. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. San Diego Opera launches its new season today with a concert at the Balboa Theater. Arts reporter Beth Hawkamondo previewed the season with San Diego Opera's general director, David Bennett. Here's their conversation. David, so tell us what we have coming up first. Well, our first uh, event is a wonderful one-night-only concert that we are calling Grammy Greats Unite. And it is two wonderful singers who have been here before, Latonia Moore and Janae Bridges. And they actually were here together the last time they sang in San Diego. They were in our last production of Madame Butterfly, Latonia Moore soprano, Janae Bridges mezzo-soprano. They'll be performing a varied program with lots of operatic favorites, music theater, a little George Gershwin, also a little Edith Piaf. So a nice program with members of the San Diego Symphony and conducted by our resident conductor, Bruce Stasna. And so when we do these sorts of concerts, the conductor, Bruce in this case, works very closely with the artist to curate a program of their choosing. And that's one of the things I like about these concerts is we really get a sense of who these artists are from the repertoire that they choose. So this will be on October 25th, 7.30 p.m. at the Balboa Theater. And it is a, a brief concert. It's a little under 90 minutes, but without intermission. So a nice quick evening of wonderful operatic favorites with two wonderful artists to open our season. And why did you want to open with this? Does this go a little bit towards, you used to have the series Detour, but this, this sense of opera may be more than one thing. It absolutely does. And so, yeah, that's one of my goals since I've been here is to explore the breadth of what we can call, or what we do 
consider opera, right? And we've also been thinking about the expressive potency of the human voice being the centerpiece of everything that we do. You may know that this past year we had a rebranding and we have a new tagline, which is every voice tells a story. And why that's important to us is that gives everyone that attends, new and old audiences for San Diego Opera, the understanding that they'll see themselves in some way in the work that we do. And so it's important that we provide a varied series of programs through the year, some grand operas, some smaller things, and some concerts. So this felt like a celebratory way to start. And since you brought up the idea of Every Voice Tells a Story, the next opera in your season is going to be another mariachi opera. We are, yes. El Milagro del Recuerdo, which is The Miracle of Remembering. And it is the third in this series of mariachi operas that started off being commissioned by Houston Grand Opera. The second one was commissioned by Chicago Lyric and the third Houston again. And we are co-producers with Houston Grand Opera of this wonderful Christmas mariachi opera. The story is really about Mexicans who have to come to America to work to support their families and what they gain by that security, but also what they leave behind. So it has very funny moments, very beautiful moments, and it's told with this gorgeous music that we love, mariachi. But it's a very beautiful, poignant Christmas opera. And you know, every ballet company does the Nutcracker, it seems, right? So we, I think the opera industry has been looking for what is our Nutcracker. And this is a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas in the medium of opera. And how does it feel to be having a mariachi opera in San Diego, which is a border town? And does this bring in a different audience for you? They have in the past, right? So this will be the third one. And the two that we've done before did bring in a new audience, lots of new ticket buyers. Some of them have stayed with us, which is good, right? And we expect that will happen in this. And then some will come just for this performance. But, you know, we are the only opera company in the United States that exists on the international border. So we actually have a responsibility, but we also have an opportunity when we think about our repertoire to engage our community, which extends beyond the border. And it's also very important for us if we look at the demographic trends in our community to make sure that we're engaging the future of the population of San Diego. Now, somebody coming to look at the schedule for this coming year's opera season may notice something different, which is the number of performances and when they're performed has changed. So explain what prompted this. Like virtually every opera company in the United States, and I would say all, all performing arts organizations, you know, we're at this moment post-COVID where everything is very much more expensive. And that's just the nature of the world we live in right now. So everything's become much more expensive and contributions have stayed consistent, which is good, but quite static. And at the same moment, audiences are returning slowly, but they're they're not returning at the same levels that we had pre-COVID. Uh, we're still down about $1.4 million. Last year, we closed about $1.4 million less in box office revenue than we did in our last pre-COVID full year. So that's quite significant. There's some bright news in that, that we have a lot of new, what we call new to file ticket buyers last year, and that those are people that had never come to an opera before. So that's a very good indicator, but we're rebuilding that audience. And so in, we find ourselves in this moment where supply and demand are, you know, what they are, that we have less demand 
than the supply of opera that we were providing. That was San Diego Opera's General Director David Bennett speaking with KPBS arts reporter Beth Hakamando. The new opera season kicks off tonight at the Balboa Theater. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. Plus, our KPBS South Bay engagement producer joins me to talk about how to create an ofrenda for Dia de los Muertos. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.